Welcome to the WIPS Podcast, inspiring and empowering women to take the stage and up their game in the public speaking arena. My name is Chantal Bosset from Shabbos, leaders for your presentation, public speaking, and AV needs. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Shelly O'Donovan. She's from Philadelphia in the United States. Welcome, Shelly. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. It's a pleasure to have you with me today, and we'll be able to have a nice chat with what you've been doing. And let's start uh, with your work or business. Yes. So I own a company called Illuminate the Message, and it's part of the Authentic Influence Group. And so we work on influence. So I have had a 20 plus year career career in um, influencing the environment from a government relations, public policy perspective, and then recently um, got certified as a body language trainer. So I help individuals influence the environment, and I also help companies influence the environment um, to just make market conditions a little easier for them to operate, um, primarily in the healthcare space. Especially in the healthcare space. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With your business, referring to body language must be very rewarding because without knowing it, sometimes we deal with that on a daily basis. We do. And it's one of these skills that we're never really taught as children. Um, you know, we might have a communications class in college, but that's about it. And it normally doesn't touch on body language. So it's one of these things that we all subconsciously do, but once you become aware of it, it really can unlock a whole whole new world for you. Oh, I totally agree. And uh, you probably meet a very, various types of people, but yourself, would you consider that you're a shy or outspoken person? So I fall somewhere in the middle. So I grew up as a very shy and awkward child and kind of overheard this from the teacher talking to my mother. (laughs) So yeah, I died a little inside when that happened, but um, that, that empowered me to kind of push up against it. And my mom was a hairdresser, so I would sit in her salon and listen and watch her interact with people and just learned a lot about people from those interactions and, you know, eventually went on to be a lobbyist. So I, I definitely have pushed up against that shyness and and find myself in that nice sweet spot of an ambivert who can usually play both sides of the field, but I need to recharge though, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And I can totally relate to that. And I think that's been the amazing part about all my guests on this podcast. Most of them, I feel I can relate to because I'm like that too, you know, started as that little very fearful child and then end up like all the other women around me right. that have a similar but totally different story. So that's really amazing. I, can, yeah. I kind of like that a lot. <laughs> awesome. And uh, when was the first time that you started public speaking? So I actually joined the debate team in high school. And the whole reason I joined the debate team had nothing to do with debate. Um, We were given the opportunity to go for pizza before we went to our debate. So you get on a bus (laughs) and go to like Pizza Hut for an hour before you had a debate. So I was like, this is great. I get to get out of school. I get on the bus. And so the first debate, I went up to this other school. And the way it works um, on the debate team is that you pick kind of by flip of a coin side of an issue you're going to debate that day that you're going to be on. So you have to be prepared 
to do both sides, but often you will debate on an issue that you don't feel strongly about, <laughs> which is really challenging, right? And so my issue was on, um, the issue is actually on um, poor housing and whether we should support that as a, as a country. And, and uh, so I, they flipped the coin and I won on the opposing side, not supporting housing for poor people. And I had pulled um, some information for that speech from an article that someone else had written. And one of the things that they said in the article was that their, um, that these housing units are glorified poor houses with a P, P-O-O-R. And I said that in my speech. And then the other team had a rebuttal. And in the rebuttal, in the rebuttal, my opponent says, and the other team thinks that these housing units are nothing but glorified whorehouses. Oh, no. W-H-O-R-E. And it was so embarrassing. And I turned bright red and then we, like the rebuttal was done. We couldn't go back and clarify it. Oh, you could not? not no. And so it just kind of went on the record and we lost the debate. I don't think because of that, but we just didn't have our, all our um, eggs in the basket. But afterwards, I just assumed the guy misheard me or that I wasn't speaking clearly enough. And afterwards I came, I went over to him and I was like, listen, a great debate. You guys did a great job. But just so you know, I said poor houses with a P. And he said to me, oh, I know you said poor houses with a P. No way. But I was trying to win the debate. And so that would be my big tip to speakers is to be careful about the words you choose that you enunciate well. And in the political environment, then I spent years in politics and realized that this happens all the time in politics. It happens. With the words, they take the soundbite and they manipulate it for their needs. So you have to be really careful about that as a speaker. Oh boy. <laughs> that was kind of a terrifying thing in a way because your words got twisted and yes. you were not even able to clarify anything. Yes. So it was, yeah, not a very good experience, but at the same time, you probably learned something. I did. And I like the fact, like you say, making sure you pronounce well, or that you might just add a few extra details depending on the topic or where you're presenting. Like you mentioned, the political arena today might bring on a few twisted people that will take your words and just turn them around. Right. Oh boy. Okay. That's <laughs> impressing. Never heard that one before, but no, good. I feel for you. <laughs> it's a long time ago. I'm over it. <laughs> I guess so. But afterwards in your adult life, did you have any other, let's call them challenging experiences while you were public speaking? Yeah, I did. So I, uh, I was a lobbyist for a well-known health system in the region and, um, I was asked to go present on a piece of legislation. So this was a piece of legislation on malpractice reform for doctors because our doctors in Pennsylvania were getting sued for things they weren't even connected to. Oh, wow. And so um, I took the bill and and my boss said, go and present on this bill. And he's like, just, you know, just tell them exactly what's in the bill. So that's what I did. I literally stood up there with like a 20 page bill and read every, every line. (laughs) And so it was incredibly boring. 
it was incredibly dry and the doctors just completely glazed over and they were, you know, they were, they were nice about it. And I guess they got the information they needed, but it was not a good approach for me. And so I since learned that just because someone says like, say exactly what it is, you still have to put some flair in it. You have to put some energy into it and you gotta, you know, put a little bit of story in it or something to make it. Yeah. That was probably your biggest learning point that whatever people tell you, you should be saying, you still have to adapt and make it your own, I guess. Yes, absolutely. You seem to be a a person that would make things lively. So (laughs) I guess it was natural for you to read all these bullets and texts and everything. Exactly. And I think some of that liveliness, though, is certainly practice. You know, the more practice yes. you get, um, the better you get. And the, then the more you kind of bring that energy to the to the room. Oh, you're right about that. Practice makes perfect, like yes. we say. <laughs> <laughs> and we talked about, yeah, challenging experience, experiences. But you, I'm sure you must have had at least a couple of great moments or is there one sticking out more that you would want to share with us? Yeah. So I uh, was a member, I still am a member and a volunteer for uh, the Health Business Women's Association. So it's a big group, it's national group. Um, and I do a lot of volunteer work for them. So I pull together programs and for years have pulled together big programs where we pull in speakers. And um, soon after I launched my business, I was out there speaking and stuff. And someone approached me from, from HBA and said, what if you come in and speak to us? And I was like, that would be great. And so I did a big presentation for them. It went fantastic. Oh, wow. But there was a moment during the presentation where I'm standing up in front of the room and kind of realizing how far I had come. And the fact that now I'm up in front of this amazing group of women, much like I had sat in the audience and watched other women give these amazing presentations. So it just was kind of a full circle moment for me. Oh, wow. That must have been great. When you, that moment you realized, geez, I was sitting in that room before. Now I'm the one on stage. Yes. Congrats. That must have been a great moment. It was. It was a great moment. <laughs> and I hope you celebrated it because I did. I did. That. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and of course I do have another question. We're all women, sometimes a little bit self-conscious. What would be your one wardrobe tip you would share with listeners? Yeah. So I would say the biggest thing about wardrobe for me is making sure that my shoes are comfortable enough when I take the stage. Because as women, it's so easy to think that we have to wear heels, especially (laughs) for like short, I'm kind of on the shorter side. And so you feel like to be up on the stage and to kind of be big enough for that stage, you need heels. And I would say you don't like make sure that you have shoes that look good but that are going to work for you because normally when you go to an event, you get there and then you're standing around meeting people or whatever. And then you take the stage maybe for an hour. And so at this state, till you get home, you're good like five hours on your feet. <laughs> yes. And so you don't want to be in pain and kind of wincing when you're giving your presentation because your, your feet hurt. I've been oh, there. Yeah. So, yeah. And so that takes people. away the concentration we yes. so much need when we're delivering something. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and finally, what would be your one tip that would help empower 
women to take the stage in a more confident way? Sure. So I think one of the most important things you can do when you're speaking is to just take the stage in a very deliberate manner. And so, you know, walking into the stage, looking for a point that you're going to kind of target when you walk in, looking at the audience, making that great first impression. Uh, There was actually a study that was done by Platts and Kovitz, and they looked at violin players who were going in, and they had taped clips of these violin players all the way from the entrance to when they were playing. And they were trying to find out if participants thought they played better because they made a nice entrance. And that was in fact the case. It was. That's interesting. Yeah. They wanted to hear what these violin players were doing if they had a nice entrance. And so I think for speakers, the same is true. And we see this time and time again in research just how important that first impression matters. So you know, as you're making that entrance, make sure it's a good entrance, have your hands visible, nod to the audience a little bit, smile. And as well, if you were traveling to that event and you're going to stop for a cup of coffee or something like that on the way, just know that you may run into somebody who's going to be sitting in your audience. So yes. you don't want to look out of sync at the coffee shop. You want to look like you have it together there too, which sometimes, you know, when you're rushing, that takes a little bit of mindset shift to do that. It does. But that's important as well in case someone catches you in those moments where you're walking into it or, you know, anytime you're being seen before the presentation. That is so valuable because I think many people might forget about the before part. Yes. You're right. We might run into many people that will be in the audience. Yes. So they need to, what they see before needs to be the same as what they will see on stage. Yes. And, uh, probably just owning our power a little bit more. So we look more powerful to Absolutely. do it. Yes. Oh, Shelly, that was such a wonderful conversation because I'm sure many people will be able, yes, to relate, but also pick up all those golden nuggets that you shared with them to help them take the stage in a more powerful way. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Okay. So have a great day. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please tell us what you think by commenting and even share with your own networks to inspire and empower others to do public speaking.